lost Madeline Aubrey yesterday. I can't believe that. I when know. you texted me, Allie just texted me, do you have the Madeline Albright cocktail? And I was like, why would I need... Oh, no. <laughs> I just had this realization. I was like, are you fucking kidding me? Yeah. And I looked up and it was like, 13 minutes ago, uh-huh. Madeline Albright dies. I get is- like 10 texts when something like that happens <laughs> now, um, which is crazy. I'm, I, I don't know. Um, <sighs> but, you know, it is one of the reasons I'm happy we did like shows like this. Yeah. Because I feel like I know so much more about her and her crazy jewelry collection. I did hear on the news today they were talking about her. And I just love when they played a clip of her being like, yeah, the Saudi Arabian, like, or the, I think it was the president of Iraq or something, said that she was like a snake. So she's like, okay, I'll wear my snake pin, whatever I'm around you. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Oh, so perfect. But But we already talked about that. We already talked about Madeline Albright. So we're not here to talk about her today. Uh, We're here to talk about her story. with katie and Allie, this is a podcast where we do talk about famous women in history and we talk about good women and bad women and fictional women and non-fictional women from all times and places because women have nuance but keep in mind we are drinking the entire time and we are not <laughs> historians no no <laughs> but we do have a good time and basically the way it's going to work is Allie is going to tell a story serve me a cocktail and then i'm going to tell a story serve Allie a cocktail and then we're going to talk about him and it's going to be fun. It and is. make mistakes, and that's okay. <laughs> it's great. It is bad, though, whenever I post, like, a tribute episode, I'm like, is this out of is taste? Is this good? <laughs> is it bad taste to do this? Yeah, the Ruth Bader Ginsburg one was the worst offender because yeah. we had gotten so drunk before we told her. We should have put her before Minnie Mouse. Oh, yeah. I don't know what we were thinking. Yeah, not a good um, idea. Not a good <laughs> That was also when we were drinking bonus wine, yeah. which we haven't done in a while because it was getting out of control. Yeah, only sometimes <laughs> do we do that. <laughs> um, but you might be opening up a bottle of wine yourself right. and you get the cork stuck in there and then you can't get it out. And so you are working, working, working that cork, trying to get it out of your bottle so you can enjoy your first bottle of rosé for the spring weather. <laughs> so that means your hands are busy. You can't look up what these women look like. Your phone's in the other room. Right. Um, so while you're listening, we're going to describe them for you. We're going to get a little physical, physical. physical. Allie, what does your person look like? So my person is five, nine and appears very, very fit. She is Egyptian by birth with brown hair and hazel eyes and is typically in a bright solid color dress, has a really big smile and a big laugh and an inquisitive look, but will stare you down with a deep question if she has to. Are you doing Gal Gadot? No. Oh my God. Okay. So she's, oh wait, Gal Gadot is Israeli, not Egyptian. Yeah. <laughs> Close though. <laughs> okay. Is she a modern person? Is she yes. an actress? Okay. Not an actress. Not an actress. But on TV. On TV? Okay. So is she. <laughs> you won't know. I don't know. Who I'm is doing it? doing Hoda. <gasps> Hoda Kotb. Yeah. I love her. <laughs> oh my gosh. I went on a real binge of watching clips of her and Kathy Lee for a while yeah. because. They got insane. They were like drinking <laughs> on the show drinking. at 10 a.m. <laughs> I forget. I think it was like uh, Jason. What's his name from How I Met Your Mother? I Jason Siegel. Yeah, Jason Siegel or somebody like that was like or Zach Galifianakis was like, yeah, I went on the show and I like could not believe it. They're like, what do you want to drink? And he goes, oh, I guess I'll have a coffee. They're like spiked with what? 
And he goes, Spike, what are you talking about? It's so early. Like, it's 9 a.m. <laughs> oh, that's so exciting. I love that. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So my person is also a tall, muscular, middle-aged woman. <laughs> Really? <laughs> yes. Uh, she is a Mexican woman with short brown hair, sharp eyes, and a thin mouth. She is usually dressed in a nurse outfit or a house cleaner's outfit. Um, the most famous photos of her um, are she's wearing kind of like a crew neck sweatshirt, like very plain. Um, but... In older pictures of her, she is dressed in a Power Rangers-esque bright pink jumpsuit with silver stripes matching knee-high boots and a glittery and pink and silver mask shaped like a butterfly. What? (laughs) I don't have any idea who this is. I am doing Juana Barraza. No. (laughs) I'm not going to tell you anything about her. It sounds like she's wearing the Oops, I Did It Again outfit, and she has a butterfly mask on, so I'm, like, yeah, really intrigued. she does. It's going to be very exciting. Okay. <laughs> Mom, do you want to know what you're drinking? I do. I'm shocked that it's Hoda Kotb with this cocktail. Well, Hoda loves a mint julep. Does she really? Um, yeah, she's from the South. She spent a lot of time in the South, and she loves it, but I'm doing today's mint julep. <laughs> and instead of using mint, we're using mint chocolate chip ice cream. Love it. So you're going to take um, one and a half to two ounces of vodka. You're going to add some lime juice. You're going to add some ginger beer or ginger ale. Hoda suggests using diet. And then you're going to... Um, Top it with a scoop of mint chocolate chip ice cream. Love it. Well, yeah. cheers. Yeah. Mm. It's really interesting. Yeah. Mm. It's so interesting using like different ice creams and soda combination for like floats. Cause it know. is essentially just like, it's a float with a vodka float. in it. Yeah. <laughs> I really like it. Yeah. And I, I think the lime adds something interesting because usually like a mint tulip has that lime in it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No, I love this take on it. Mm. Mm. I love it. <laughs> Good. I needed some ice cream today. Absolutely. Long week. <laughs> um, so I guess tell me what you know about Hoda Kotb. Okay. I know she is a host on the Today Show. I know her partner in crime was Kathy Lee Gifford. Um, and that's pretty much it. I don't really know much else about her or like what else she's done in her career. Mm. I only know that Um, because I think she's still there, right? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Because I know Kathy Lee left and I watched them like say goodbye to each other, which was really sweet. Yeah. It's adorable. Um, But yeah, that's all I know. (laughs) So I'm excited to get into it. I mean, it's really all I knew, but I I just found her to be such an intriguing person because she seems so genuine on the television. And I was Mm -hmm. like, what about her makes her like that? Yeah. So I had to dig deeper. All right. So my sources are obviously all of the times I've watched the Today Show. <laughs> she has an XM serious radio show as well. I read some pieces of her autobiography, watched a lot of YouTube interviews about her life. But I mean, really, she's on television like all the time. Yeah. Like I watch the Olympics. She's there. I watch the Macy Day Parade. She's there. So I'm just kind of like used to listening to her tell stories about her life. Yep. So 
here. And I'm off in the summer, too. I think that changes things a lot. Because if the TV's on in the background and the news switches to the Today Show, then it's right. just like, oh, okay, I'm listening to them talk and whatever. Yeah. Okay. Hoda, Hoda Kotb, was born in Oklahoma in 1964 to Egyptian parents. Hoda means guidance in Arabic. Her mom, Sami, worked at the Library of Science, and her dad, Abdel, was a fossil engineer specialist and was listed in Who's Who of Technology. Mm. <laughs> That's pretty impressive. She has a brother, Adele, and a sister, Hala. Although she grew up in mostly Virginia and West Virginia, she did spend time during the summers and throughout her life um, in her parents' home country of Egypt and then also spent some time in Nigeria. Hmm. During an interview, she did hint at her Arabic slash Muslim roots of her home country. She said that sometimes when she would go over, she would meet her cousins and they looked just like her, but they were wearing head coverings and just acting so different. And she remembers saying like, oh my God, that could have been me. Mm -hmm. And like, you never realize the gifts that your parents give you, um, which is kind of American elitist, but also I totally understand like looking and being like, I am one generation away from this and I'm like a famous TV personality. Mm -hmm. So it was definitely a bit of culture shock for her. And she said also because she spent a lot of her life as a single woman, her family's definitely doing a quite a bit of trying to match make oh. like, with her and like arrange her with a guy. And she's like, no, thank you. In terms of fitting in, it was really hard to be a first generation American after her parents immigrated here. And she just felt different growing up. She said, when you grow up and have a weird name and your hair is different and your skin's different and you just don't fit in, it's a really long school year Mm -hmm. you have to work extra hard to make friends and as soon as you do it's time to go to the next grade and there's a new set of kids yeah and she also like wasn't naturally fun which i cannot even believe from her she said she had frizzy hair and stop sign glasses and a weird name and she was really quiet and timid and like her teachers had to be like use your playground voice like, you know how, like, for most people, yeah. they like, use your inside voice. For yeah. her, they were like, can you speak up? Oh. Which is so <laughs> funny because now she's, like, so loud. Yeah. <laughs> uh, ungodly loud. Hold um, But once her family moved to the United States, they became huge sports fans, especially of American football. So, like, huh. her mom and dad were, like, really into this, like, new sport they were learning a lot about. <laughs> so she became really into sports and became an athlete in high school and says that one of her biggest honors of all time has been working at the Olympic ceremonies, oh. that it is just like a love for her. That's so great. She graduated from Fort Hunt High School in 1982. She was very intelligent and had really come out of her shell a little bit in high school. She was selected to speak at her graduating class's baccalaureate service. Wow. And was elected homecoming queen. (laughs) So Hoda's moving on up. (laughs) She went to Virginia Tech, like right next door to us. Um, But... 
it wasn't a school of journalism. She only went there because her sister went there, and oh. that's the way that Hoda does her life. Um, so she said she didn't really have a plan for the future or for college. Mm-hmm. She just, like, wanted to go, and that was it, and, like, joined a sorority and was like, whatever, college, woo, you know? <laughs> like we all do. <laughs> Um, I don't know who has a plan going into college. I thought I had a plan. I definitely had a plan, mm-hmm. and then it changed very quickly. <laughs> it actually it changed. This my dad. You know what's funny is I'm doing now what like kind of like my plan was supposed to be. Oh, as I was supposed to major in business, and now I own a business. <laughs> um, but yeah, my first college guidance counselor, like you know the one supposed to like get you pick your classes yeah. and talk about your major. And I told her I was like I want to major in business and minor in international studies. And she goes, "You don't want to major in business." And I was like, "Oh, I don't." And she goes, <laughs> "No." And I was like, "Oh, okay. Uh, I guess I won't." And my dad will never forgive that one. <laughs> It's like, I don't, do you consider that good advice? Like she just she met me. She didn't even know She didn't you. even know me. Like, <laughs> does this woman have something against business? <laughs> I, I don't know. She was a speech professor. That's so weird. I know. And like, now I think about it, I'm like, that changed the course of like my, my entire, entire life. <laughs> you don't want to do that. Katie, okay, I guess I don't. Wow. Okay. okay. I mean, (laughs) that's nuts. But I am a business, so fuck you. (laughs) Maybe I'm running into the ground. Who knows? Who knows? In 1986, the year of my birth, she graduated with her bachelor's degree in broadcast journalism. And her father died that same year, which was really a shock because he was only 51 years old. Wow. And just that really, really got it was a huge huge like blow to Huda and her family um at the time and she leaves college and sad about this but then it's like you know what I can get a job this is gonna be easy everybody gets a job I'm gonna absolutely get a job (laughs) so she found out that Richmond Virginia has a tv station that is hiring that's about an hour from her house Virginia's kind of a big state Mm -hmm. um so she's like okay everybody in my hometown has a job this is kind of embarrassing I'm gonna go and get this job she puts her interview tape together she borrows her mom's car she puts on like a green suit blows out her hair you know it's the 80s (laughs) um and she's like mom can I borrow your car she drives the hour to Richmond. She goes inside. She's like, that's going to be my desk. That's going to be my boyfriend. <laughs> Takes the tape. The in. confidence. <laughs> and like gives it to the, the hiring manager or whatever, the head of the station. He watches like 30 seconds of her tape, takes it out, and is like, you're not ready for <gasps> Richmond. <laughs> But, honey, honey, you're not even ready for Richmond. Because <laughs> I hear they're hiring in Roanoke. Oh, okay. Which is like three hours from Richmond. Mm-hmm. So she's like, well, shit. They don't have cell phones. She's like, right. I'm not going to call my mom. Or GPSs. Yeah, or anything. She's like, I'm not going to call my mom and be like, I didn't get the job. Because she thought she was a shoe-in. Right. So she's just like, okay, I'll drive the three hours to Roanoke. God, who do you think she is? Rory Gilmore? <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of Madeline Albright? Speaking of. <laughs> so she goes the three hours um, because she's trying to get to this place before they shut down for the end of the day. Oh my gosh. So this is all in one day. This is one day. She's still in her mom's borrowed car. She drives there. They pop the tape in 30 seconds. Sorry, you aren't ready. (laughs) 
for Roanoke. Oh That's like butt fuck nowhere, Virginia. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry to all you people in Roanoke. Roanoke but all the the big you, listeners. You're aware. <laughs> you're aware. <laughs> we have so many listeners from Roanoke, Virginia. All our listeners are in Ohio <laughs> and Georgia <laughs> for some reason. Okay. So then she's like at Roanoke and the guy is like, I heard they're hiring at this station in Tennessee, which like Tennessee, if you don't have the picture in your brain is like this long skinny mm-hmm. state and she has to go to Memphis, which is like <gasps> on m- the other side, yeah, like more than halfway across the state of Tennessee. So she gets in her car and she's like, fine. And drives across <gasps> Tennessee. She is sleeping in her car for 10 days and gets turned down by 27 oh stations God. just sleeping in her mom's car she has no money she has no food she's like barely paying for gas um she's rejected absolutely everywhere and finally she calls her mom to talk to her and her mom's like i need my car back <laughs> like can i have my car um so she's like fine she's so upset and like turns around to go home and gets lost on the way home in the middle of mississippi <gasps> So she's in Mississippi and sees a billboard um, that's like a, a literal sign. <laughs> like, ah, so <laughs> there it is. And it is the I, the CBS, like, I have my eye on you. Uh-huh. Um, so she goes into this Mississippi Southern station and he's like, what's your name? And she's like, I'm Hoda. He's like, come on in, Hilda. <laughs> like okay so she gives him the tape he puts it in and proceeds to watch all 30 minutes of this in tape like the whole thing while she's just sitting there silently oh my um, gosh and is it just her like going around her hometown like this is hoda cod yeah. one news yeah, i'm sure stuff she did in college you know what i mean like broadcast up <laughs> yeah Picturing, like bart simpson where are the ducks? <laughs> Bart, they've flown south. <laughs> it is outrageous. She said it's so cringeworthy thinking back. Um, but he pops it out when it's done and says, Hilda, I like what I see. <laughs> Bless this man. So, oh, my God. One of the things that she lives by is that you don't have to make everyone love you. You just need one person <laughs> to love you. Just one. One person. And he did. And she had her first on-air job after college at a CBS affiliate in Mississippi. Um, From there, she ends up with a job in Illinois with ABC. She became a weekend anchor then for CBS in Florida. She became an official anchor and reporter for CBS in Louisiana. So she's moving all around the country, really just trying to further herself every time. She wasn't the type of person who sat in a job for years. She was like, I need to be at my peak always. Mm -hmm. Um, So she spent the majority of the nineties living in new Orleans, but made a big move when she decided to go to New York because she got a job on Dateline. Mm. In her old jobs, people would come up to her with scripts and with, like, information and be like, is this good? Do you want to say this? And she'd be like, oh, that's good. Oh, cut this part. But she got to New York, and it was like she was a first grader, and they were all in senior high. They were like, Hoda, you kind of suck. Maybe work on that a bit. (laughs) Like... 
Oh, it was crazy. I do feel like it's when like you go to like a really small high school and mm-hmm. you're like the fucking like prom king or whatever. And then you go to like, like me, like a giant state college. And you're like, wow, yeah, no one knows who I am. <laughs> I actually don't know what I'm doing. It's so funny. So um, producer went to a very small middle school where he was like the best at everything. Mm-hmm. And then he went to like a very big high school mm-hmm. and he I think his confidence took a huge hit in high school and I don't think he's ever recovered. It's very interesting. You can see it when he says certain things. It's interesting. (laughs) because It's so funny you say that too, because Jake is, it's like, I'm trying to think of like, like what would he be the president because he's doing so well now I like know, how, I know, I know. how much better do you want him to be Allie I know he's just <laughs> listen Jackie O was the first lady when she was 32 and I'm like 35 no <laughs> I think he's amazing I he think it was good for think him he's though. amazing it was definitely good I think for him it was he would have been for a him. dick exactly exactly <laughs> he would have been exactly what Calvert Hall wanted <laughs> <laughs> he would have been this boy I know named Tim Lambden. I'm calling you wow. out. <laughs> Shots fired. I don't even know him. <laughs> Laying the cross with Jake. Ew. I Gross. don't like him. Okay. Uh, he also worked at Weber's with me. Oh. News is coming out. <laughs> Things are go- getting big. He's probably a wonderful man now. I don't know what he's doing. Let's look him up. Tim. Um. <laughs> We're gonna fi- Everybody look up Tim Lambden on Facebook <laughs> from Baltimore, Maryland. Okay. So... She, (laughs) I hate myself. (laughs) So she works on Dateline for like nine years, which is pretty, that's a pretty, that's the longest she's worked anywhere. And that's a pretty big deal to be in New York working on Dateline when the Today Show decides that they're going to do a little experiment. Instead of just the three hours in the morning, they're going to expand it to four hours and add this additional fourth hour. And they're going to have three women. It's going to be Hoda Kotb, Natalie Morales, and Ann Curry. After one year of that format, they were like, this sucks, and Hoda's the only survivor on this fourth hour. They They keep Hoda. They get rid of everybody else. And Hoda's like, you know who I'd really like to work with me is Kathy Lee Gifford. Like, that would be amazing. But she had just stepped down from the Regis show mm-hmm. because she was tired of doing a live TV program every day. Yeah. How are you going to be like, you're tired of live TV? Want to do live TV? Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it's, it's a really hard gig to have your wake-up call be at 3 a.m. every day and show up to the news and, like, hair, makeup. I can't imagine. It's like sounds terrible. Yeah, not being able to cut yourself like we do on this podcast. I know the shit that you guys are hearing. This is not the worst of it. <laughs> we edit this. Well, Allie edits this. This is edited down. <laughs> um, okay, so she goes out to lunch with Kathy. Should I say it's Kathy Lee? Right? I should Kathy say Kathy Lee. Lee. Okay. Yeah. Be respectful. Be- <laughs> I'm bowing my head. <laughs> Bowing my head in grace. That woman survived years of Regis. <laughs> Just kidding. I love Regis Philbin. I like Regis too. He is my. I am so. I'm legitimately sad that I never got to meet him mm. because I really. You know how like you believe that you could row crew in the Olympics? Yeah. I believed that I could meet Regis. Okay. I believed that it would happen one day. Like I would find myself in New York and Damn. run into him on the street. And now it's not going to happen. And that's fine. I can try to get a hold of Ryan Seacrest for you if you need a close <sighs> no, second. No, if I'm going to get a second, it's going to be Christian Bale. 
which I know is not. He's insane. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> he might murder you. I just so... want to sing Santa Fe to him. That's all I want to do. He might like that. <laughs> I think he would hate it. I <laughs> know. <laughs> I'm shaking He's my head. Insane. <laughs> um, he is insane. <laughs> the lights. Okay. So she has this five-hour five lunch with Kathy Lee, and um, she's like, I just don't want to do it. And she was like, just give me, like, a little bit of time. Just come on. Help get the show, like, where it's supposed to be a little bit of time. So they're into it. They've been into it for about a year. And Kathy Lee is like, I fell in love with my Egyptian goddess. <laughs> I never left. They are crazy. And... As we alluded to at the beginning of this story, Hoda and Kathy Lee make a splash on television <laughs> at, on the 10 a.m. Today show. They are nuts. Or is it not? It's the 9 a.m.? No, 10 a.m. 10 a.m. is the fourth hour. So Again, I was a Regis girl. I was not a Today Show girl. It's just so <laughs> crazy. Like, they are literally drinking full-scale alcohol. They're... Asking and saying very inappropriate things, which we'll cover <laughs> in a second. And they're just having a blast together. They get so famous that Saturday Night Live starts parodying them oh, because yeah. it's just <laughs> so funny who they are. Um, eventually, after a, over a decade, Kathy Lee leaves and is um, succeeded by Jenna Bush Hager, which, who's still there and working with Hoda mm -hmm. on this fourth hour show. When Kathy Lee and Hoda appeared on Andy Cohen, though, there's this segment that he does called Plead the Fifth. And the question they had to answer was, who is your worst guest of all time? <laughs> and their worst guest ever was Frank Sinatra Jr., <laughs> who wrote a book about his famous dad, but then didn't want to talk about the book. <laughs> They're, like, asking him questions. And he, he, is, Please. he was <laughs> bleep out that name <laughs> they, were, they were like i just can't believe that he wrote this book and then they were like how'd you decide to write a book and me and katie have done some really bad book interviews but this, <laughs> this sounds terrible they're like how'd you decide you want to write a book about your dad and he was like i didn't <laughs> like somebody told him to do it he had no passion just absolutely hated it oh what do you say to that oh my gosh i don't know <laughs> so weird why i don't know because i crazy so then <laughs> on the following show kathy lee looks at hoda and goes have you ever had a threesome <laughs> <laughs> and hoda was like Oh, I can't believe you asked me that on live television. And she goes, just trying to make the show better than yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> These two, they're crazy. Oh my gosh. This I love daytime that. TV. <sighs> can't do that. <laughs> but as we alluded to, Hoda says the absolute worst part of morning TV is the ridiculously early alarm clock that goes off at 3 a.m. every day. <gasps> 3 a.m. 3 a.m. is what time she has to get up to get her life together. So for her, she wakes up, lights her candle, writes a little post-it notes to her daughters, which she sticks around the house That's for them so to sweet. find in random places. <laughs> like one, she said she like wrote it and put it on in the fridge on the milk, and it was like, I'm cold, get me out of here. <laughs> <laughs> so dumb. I love that so much. Um, and then she does a little prayer of meditation or meditation practice. And then she like scribbles in her journal 
And then she's got to start studying for the show. So she's got to read what happened overnight. Like, she's a newscaster. Yeah. And then she has to get there, and they do her hair, and they do her makeup, and they make sure her clothes are good, and she gets all mic'd up. So there's, like, a huge process to be on the news. Um, in 2005, Hoda married the tennis coach from the University of New Orleans, but they divorced only a couple years later, so mm-hmm. it wasn't, like, a long-term relationship. Mm-hmm. And... Then in the early 2000s, something really dramatic happened and terrible. She went to her GYN appointment like she should, and she had never had a mammogram before in her life and didn't, but her GYN was like, I think I found a lump. Oh, no. And Huda's like, okay. So they scan it, and it is breast cancer. Oh, my God. In 2007, Hoda decided to undergo a mastectomy and to have reconstructive surgery for her breasts. She has since become a huge advocate for breast cancer awareness and through her whole cancer process allowed the cameras from the Today Show to follow her around through the cancer battle to just make it not be a secret to get a mastectomy make it not be a secret to have cancer and to be losing your hair and to just be in pain as a woman Mm. and a working woman um after she was declared cancer free she continued to document and use the story on the show to raise awareness Mm. and martha mcbride featured her in the music video i'm gonna love you through it which is a ballad to cancer survivors she still wears, you can see it on her hand, her right hand, a pink rubber ring on her finger as a reminder that she beat breast cancer. Mm. And she says the ring makes her feel safe and it's a reminder that she made it. The treatments that she underwent, though, made her unable to conceive. And that is one thing she always wanted to be was a mom. Yeah. And she didn't have kids yet at this point. But... The positive of cancer for her was that she had always struggled with body image. Mm. And she said that when her dad passed right after college, it was like her dad died. She had stopped playing sports and she gained all this weight right after college. She had been an athlete in high school. And one of her bosses on a TV program at one point was like, you need to find a treadmill. (gasps) Like, because you're on TV every day. And it was just really hard for her. But she says that after cancer, she was more confident. She said she never had worn a bikini before she got sick. But now she feels like, it's my body. This is it. Take it or leave it. (laughs) She did a lot in the 2010s. She was the keynote speaker at Virginia Tech for her alma mater. She was elected to her third term on their alumni association board. She wrote a New York Times bestseller, Hoda, How I Survived, War Zones, Bad Hair, Cancer, and Kathy Lee. Ah! I love that Kathy Lee made the title. (laughs) The title of the book. She began a relationship with New York financier, Joel (laughs) Schiffman. Hoda began hosting, um, her live one-hour show on Sirius XM Radio, the Today Channel. And then she also, in her 50s, adopted her first baby girl, which she thought was going to be impossible. And just seeing Hoda on TV with these babies, so she was on TV on Mother's Day, her first Mother's Day, and it's just holding her baby and just looking at her and just like laughing with so much like (laughs) jovial like pure jovialness like I can't even explain how beautiful it is so 
Her first daughter's name is Haley Joy Cotby. And then two years later, she was like, I don't want her to go through life without a sibling. So she adopted another little girl, (laughs) Hope Catherine Cotby. She was um, making these adoptions with her longtime relationship, Joel. um, And he was part of that process the whole time. But they are not... Um, engaged or married at this point. It's just a long-time relationship. And then, in 2018, some really terrible and disturbing news came out about Matt Lauer. Matt Lauer was terminated from the Today Show for his sexual misconduct, which, like, the stories about what he did... I can't... I, <clears throat> insane. It's so upsetting. Like, like crazy shit like would have the doors like a button to like lock the doors after people were in there in in his office it's so upsetting and the fact that it went on for so long and like his best friends had no idea yeah because i cannot believe that those people knew they may have some of the deep people but i just don't like it's so so upsetting it is upsetting so, um, Savannah Guthrie is, you know, that was like his partner, Savannah Guthrie. Yes. Yeah. Savannah Guthrie is just blown away. Yeah. She doesn't know what to do. She's on air. Katie Couric is gone. She's like kind of just recently the new Katie Couric. It wasn't like the next day, but it was like right. a couple years and Katie Couric's on the night news. And now she's like, now I have to hold down this show without Roker. Who's off his ass, batshit crazy. <laughs> <laughs> Matt's gone. Yeah. And and what do I do? So they're like, okay, Hoda, can you just like hold down the fort? Just come in, sit with Savannah, hold, hold it down. Hoda on the show said, We are very disturbed at this shocking and appalling news. Savannah Guthrie was crying on the news that day. It was terrible. Um, and they made up the show's first ever duo lead female anchor ship. Wow on the today show she hoda was eventually named as the official replacement for matt lauer on the first couple hours of the today <laughs> show and then she's still doing the fourth hour <laughs> she's, she's just on all day long she's just loving it um but it was weird because there was a lot of people talking about the fact that hoda makes the same amount as savannah in salary even though Matt Lauer had made 18 million more than the <gasps> both of them. What? So now they're both making like 10 million and he had made like 28 million That's a year. Ridiculous. It's crazy. I I cannot understand why they didn't both get a raise. Like I know so like I would see like if Matt and um Katie Couric made the same amount and then Katie left and Savannah's new. So she makes a little right. less. Right. But then Hoda comes in and it's like, you have all this extra money. These are your two anchors. Pay them both more. Right. That doesn't make any sense to me. No, that's ridiculous. Um, so that was like a big thing. Whoopi covered it on the view. <laughs> <laughs> and also Whoopi like couldn't pronounce her last name. She like stumbled over it. I was like, that's really weird. Whoopi Goldberg. Whoopi. Like, you should know her last She's name. She's a very famous person. <laughs> There's like, been a thousand pronunciations of her name. It's not that crazy. I know. They say it every day. I'm Hoda Copy. <laughs> like you have to say it on the news. Like, come on. <sighs> My goodness. Whoopee. 
So in 2019, she announced on the Today Show that she and Joel were engaged. And it's such a beautiful announcement. And she's talking about it and crying and tells about the proposal. But then, like a lot of people, they were supposed to get married in 2020. And it was going to be a cute tropical destination wedding and she was like i don't know if people are going to be comfortable flying i don't know like when we can have this wedding so it was just put off and put off and put off and then in 2022 she announced that they ended their engagement no after these years of waiting and dating and adopting two girls together they decided there wasn't any big thing that happened we're just better as co-parents we want to co-parent these girls but we don't want to have this romantic relationship and then also just like every fucking buddy else in january 2022 hoda announced that she tested positive for covid19 (gasps) which sucks um she did receive both her vaccine doses and a booster but what you gonna do what are you (laughs) so many people who had yeah been boosted i mean a, a vaccine. Omicron, Omicron hit yeah. everyone Everybody. so hard. A vaccine doesn't stop you from getting it. It's right. just a study guide for your cells. So right. they can find so it then, faster. Yeah. And so it's right. not like lethal. Yeah. It's flashcards. Yeah. <laughs> your cells are like, oh, gotcha. Gotcha. <laughs> there you are. Um, so um, she did write a lot of other books. One called 10 Years Later. One called Where They Began. One called I Really Needed This Today. <laughs> Um, one called this just speaks to me. And then two children's books. I loved you since forever. And you are my happy. And now here are 10 fun facts about Hoda. <laughs> one, uh, Hoda's always struggled with the fact that her name is really strange, but in Egyptian, the name Hoda is kind of like Jane. Really? Mm-hmm. Oh, that's so <laughs> it interesting. Is. But it leads to a lot of awkward moments for her. She said that there was an interview once where a guy referred to her as Yoda the entire time. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, it went on so long she couldn't, like, correct him. You know? <laughs> that's even worse than Hilda. Oh, my I know. God. Um, she always, on the show, talks about loving Blake Shelton and people think, like, it's a joke, but it's actually not a joke. She genuinely is obsessed with him and named her dog after him. Wow. Yeah. Uh, Loves him. Thinks he's the most beautiful man that ever walked the face ugh, of the planet. I disagree strongly. I also disagree. I also disagree. I am, <laughs> am firmly opposed to him being sexiest 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 man alive alive a couple years ago sexiest man but not the sexiest (laughs) exactly right right um yeah i've strongly opposed to that no 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 no. excuse me you're gonna put him on the same level as paul rudd no paul rudd made a deal with vampires (laughs) obviously (laughs) (laughs) give me a dark stud okay Um, she also never offers someone a tissue when they're crying and she won't accept one (laughs) because if someone is crying, they need to get it out and offering a tissue is asking them to stop. Oh, I mean, (laughs) I think it's for boogers. Honestly, personally, personally, I don't want to have boogers on my face while I'm bowling. I'm not a pretty crier. Oh, me neither. It is running out of every... Mm -hmm. Thing. I it's, wish I could wink out a tear. I will never forget <laughs> when never I went forget. to see my sister's keeper in the movie theater. And <laughs> that movie is so sad. Girl. It's so sad. Yeah. But it the movie glitched <laughs> and three fourths of the way through the movie, it stopped. 
And so the lights went up and everyone is just <laughs> wrecked. And like my sleeves were soaking wet with boogers. <laughs> and then they had to be like, sorry, everybody. Uh, it's just going to be a couple minutes. And then we're all just sitting there. <laughs> like your cell phones are off. You're looking at each other. <laughs> oh, this was the era of flip phones. Oh, we no. didn't even have internet on our phone. It was oh, you couldn't so, even look at something. You couldn't even look at something. It was so awful. That's the worst. But I did get free movie tickets. And oh, I think great. I went to see one in Rome. Oh, perfect. That's perfect for you. <laughs> Sorry. Back to it. Okay. Also, she burst into tears one day, surprisingly, on the show when Drew Brees told her how much he loved her. <laughs> like, the quarterback, Drew Brees, wow. was like, I really love you. And she just, like, started crying uncontrollably. <laughs> Again, live TV. That Crazy. <laughs> if you're, like, having an off day and somebody's like, you're great. And you're like, <gasps> I really needed to hear that today. <laughs> today. <laughs> she, <laughs> I needed to hear it today. <laughs> she, she has been in more than one Sharknado movie. No. So so that you know, because they use her as like the live the news. news. <laughs> so she's just like, and once I was in one, I asked to be in all of them. Oh my she gosh, just loves being in Sharknado. She loves singing karaoke and sings all the time on TV, even though she says she's terrible at it. Uh, she's very messy. This is fact seven. She says on TV, I look put together, but every cabinet door in my house is open and there is just shit crammed in all of them, which <laughs> preach. I feel like I look put together in the world, but I'm the yeah. sloppiest person. I love being sloppy. <laughs> she has a sweet tooth so much so that sometimes she'll eat her way through like half a box of cookies and it's not enough for her to just throw the cookies in the trash can. She has to like douse them with Windex Ugh. so she doesn't eat the rest. Pulls a Miranda. She would pull them I back the out. the cake out of the trash. <laughs> trash can. Classic pull Miranda. out of the trash can. <laughs> Number nine, she chooses joy every day. The first mm. thing she does, like we said, is pick up her journal and she writes down three things she's thankful for and one great thing that happened in the last 24 hours and says that it gets your brain started in a good way. Mm. And finally, Hoda is one of, if not the most genuine and well-loved TV personality and she still graces us each morning today with a uh, news and a big smile and that's her story so far i love it that's hoda <laughs> i think i just found so much fun in researching her and talking about her i just wanted to know more about her life because like i said at the beginning i see her every day yeah and oh. I feel like I wanted to know more. That's amazing. I wasn't taunted the same way about Savannah Guthrie. <laughs> I feel like I'm like, ah, Savannah's fine. Ah, she's fine. <laughs> Sorry, she's got great eyeshadow. Um, can I give you a heads up? These are very different stories. Uh -oh. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll see. But we need to get more drinks. So we will be right back with part two. Uh, so long. <laughs> such an interesting vibe i love that <laughs> and they're like i don't understand i'm like well they're too prideful and mm. they have prejudice, prejudice. <laughs> <laughs> exactly what the title entails that is perfect <laughs> all right you ready yeah okay so we're back into it we're here part two you lit some candles i did light a candle i don't even know if the candle's making it into the picture because it didn't quite <laughs> work didn't out which now vision. i'm upset with 
because <laughs> I really wanted a candle in it, but I don't know. So we'll see. Maybe the candle will be in it. Maybe it won't. We had a candle in our Anne Frank image. We did. Yeah, yeah we did. Dutch Courage was the name of that cocktail. Yes, locked away. Locked Why away. is that in my brain? I don't know. Um, I, uh, Can you tell me what I'm drinking? It yes. looks delightful. Very different from my drink. Yes. Uh, so this is called Muerte Silenciosa. Uh, this is a cocktail that I found online and I tweaked it a bit, um, but it is a Dia de los Muertes cocktail because um, we're going to be dealing with death. Mm-hmm. We're going to be dealing with Mexico. Mm-hmm. So I thought that this would be a good opportunity to do um, a cocktail like this. So it is two ounces of mezcal. Oh, mezcal. Mm-hmm. It is an ounce of marigold simple syrup. It is fresh grapefruit juice and lime topo chico and orange bitters. So this cocktail was so fucking hard to make because marigolds aren't in season. So I had to like I was I went to so many different stores looking for marigolds to make this simple syrup. And I finally just had to overnight them from Amazon and like hope that they got to my house in time. They got to my house at like 2 p.m. today. (laughs) So I rushed to make this. But it's an interesting simple syrup because you steep it and then blend it together. Which I've never wow. done that with a simple syrup before. No. Um, and then it's also a blended simple a syrup. Blended simple syrup. Hmm. And then also is the it t- thick? Thicker than normal, but you've mesh like you know you'd put it over a mesh sieve, right, you know, right, so right, it kind of right. takes out the chunks. But yeah, it kind of just ended up being kind of silky, which I liked. Okay. Um, and then the Topo Chico. I was like, I can't believe how hard this is to fucking find. <laughs> I ended, good luck. Ms. I went Krista. to four <laughs> different stores. And ended up getting it at a Sprouts in Bel Air. It was really upsetting. Sprouts. <laughs> so anyways, but this is the drink. It's beautiful. Cheers. It looks like a sunrise. Mm-hmm. It's delicious. Mm, it's very nice. It's sharp mm-hmm. um, and crisp. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, I don't feel like it's not like a bourbon drink where you feel like you're soothed yeah. or like um a sweet cocktail where mm-hmm. you're like, oh, I could have this at brunch. It's like very sharp. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like I'm ready to have a business meeting. Yeah. <laughs> I do like it. Oh, also, there's another fun fact. I couldn't buy just one bottle of Topo Chico. I had to buy a whole case. What? <laughs> so now I have a whole case of lime Topo Chico. Now we can house. use it all the time. We can use it all the time. It's this fine. Um, so <laughs> nothing. I know nothing about your person. Perfect. <laughs> From Mexico. And has to do with the light. She's the light of the world. No. This little light of mine. Oh, or has to do with Day of the Dead? Dead? Deadness? Definitely some deadness. Okay. So we'll get into it. Let's talk about it. My sources today are last podcast on the left which Uh is great because it's one of my favorite podcasts and i was so happy to be able to use them today um and it was funny too because i put juana barraza on my list a while ago and they just posted an episode about her like a month ago. Thieves. I couldn't believe it. Thieves they are. But it was very helpful to me. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then the YouTube channel, Casual Criminalist, Criminal Bot Broads podcast. But last podcast was my main source just because one of the hosts, his wife, um, is Mexican. So she was able to translate directly some of the material about Juana Barraza. So I felt like I could get like a little more nuanced perspective on her because this 
story, just a heads up, is very complicated. Uh, it deals with murder. It deals with sexual assault. It's very intense. Um, so just be prepared for all of that. And um, there's also some controversy with it that we'll obviously get into. Um, and this is a really big story in Mexico. So okay. this is also not to make light of any of these events because um, she's really hated. <laughs> I wish like why couldn't one of our significant others be like of a different descent? I know. So that we could use them. Mm. Instead, they're just bouncing around being normal. Right. <sighs> Gross. Typical boys. <laughs> so let's get into it. January 27th, 2006, a man exits his apartment in Mexico City to see a tall person walking quickly out of his landlady's apartment. He goes downstairs, walks in to speak to her about something, and sees that his 82-year-old landlady, Ana Maria de los Reyes, has been murdered, strangled with a stethoscope. Ooh. The nurse, who he had just seen leaving the apartment, is still outside, so the tenant chases after them and yells for the police. Thankfully, two policemen happen to be close by the incident. A chase ensues, and at about 35 yards, they catch the figure. And to their surprise, the culprit is a woman. 48-year-old Juana Barraza would become an overnight celebrity for changing the fearsome title of El Mataviajitas to La Mataviajitas, the old, the little old lady killer, who police had been searching for for three years. So they thought it was a man. Uh huh. And it's this woman. It's this woman. Interesting. Juana Barraza was born on December 27, 1957, in Hidalgo, a northern rural area of Mexico City, to Justa, a teenage sex worker struggling with severe alcoholism, and a man named Trinidad who had 34 other children. 34? He had sired 34 other children. Sired. Good word. <laughs> you think it's the word they used in the last podcast? I like, know, wow. That's I was like, good... but also, like, what other word is there for, like, that um, yeah i don't know but yeah sired sired's right yeah um so obviously she didn't really know her dad uh because he was busy um but unfortunately she may have been better off with him as we mentioned her mother was struggling with some things um and she was not in the best condition to take care of juana she already had another child that she gave birth to when she was 16 and she was 18 when she gave birth to juana the three lived in various bad neighborhoods across Mexico City, but eventually moved into the home of an older married man named Refugio Sanperio. This could have gone very bad, but apparently this guy was actually like the only person in Juana's childhood to show her any kindness. Her mother was extremely abusive, sometimes beating Juana until she was covered in blood. And some of the stepfathers she had over the years would either abuse Juana themselves or pimp her out to other men to make money for the family because the family was always strapped for cash. The family was so poor that Juana was left to find rotten food in dumpsters if she wished to feed herself and her siblings on any given evening. Her childhood was obviously not off to a good start, but it was about to get worse. Her mother desperate for a drink and probably looking for a way to get this burden just off of herself sold Juana to a man named Jose 
for a measly price, if you even want to call it that, of three beers. She sold her daughter for three beers? She was 11 years old. Like forever sold her or for like a night sold her? No, no. Sold her for good. Like that's a terrible way to find out your worth. Yeah, I know. This man named Jose was the older brother of one of Juana's friends. So when this all happened, Juana didn't realize what was going on. At first, she thought that she was just going over her friend's house. She'd spend the night and then she'd come home in the morning. But when she arrived, Jose took her to his room, tied her to his bed and beat her and repeatedly raped her for a week. Jose's mother finally discovered Juana in this state and apparently beat her son with a frying pan. But not because she thought what he was doing was wrong. She thought that he was going to bring trouble for the family. And once he told his mother of the deal, assuring her that he didn't steal Juana, he bought her legally. Fair and square. Fair and square. He said, the mother okayed the whole thing. I got her directly for her. And the mom said, oh, okay, thank goodness. And Juana basically became a servant to his family and a continued sex slave for Jose for the next year. I wouldn't even let somebody take my trash out for three beers. I can't. I, Yeah. Come on. During this time, Juana had two miscarriages, and she did give birth to her first child, a son, when she was just 12 years old. <gasps> what? I've... It's very upsetting. Her mother, Justa, spread word around that her daughter had run off with some boyfriend, and that's why she wasn't around anymore. But thankfully, a neighbor of Jose's saw what was going on and then tipped off Juana's aunt and uncle. So they did finally come and rescue her one day when the family was out of the house. But when Juana was brought home, Justa, of course, just flipped out on her and threatened to beat her as soon as she walked in. Refugio, the older man that they were living with, was so enraged by her behavior that he hit Justa just to shut her up and threatened to smash her face in with a rock if she hurt Juana again. Justa stopped bothering her daughter after that. But, I mean, just a couple of years later, Justa, who was only in her 30s, died of cirrhosis of the liver from alcohol poisoning. Now that Juana was finally free and had her own child to feed, so... You know, <laughs> got to do something. You have to do something right. about it. Um, yeah, she had to make ends meet. So she did what she could. She started making jello cups and selling them at a little stand on the street. This was the first of her many little jobs that she had just trying to get by. She was married at the age of 16 to a young man who became an abusive alcoholic. So that didn't last long. Then she got married again and the same thing happened. And then on her third try, Juana finally snapped. She was so sick of always being stuck with alcoholics who abused her just like her mother did. So she grabbed a metal chair and beat him nearly to death. Then she was single for a little while uh, with four children total. And she expanded the jello stand to sell gorditas and quesadillas. But things weren't all bad. Juana did have an escape a place where she could just kind of get away from it all, a place where violence made sense. There were rules for it. It was the wrestling world of Lucha Libre. Now, if you don't know what Lucha Libre is, it is uh, professional wrestling in Mexico where competitors wrestle each other uh, in kind of um, 
a little bit of a staged way um, in decorative masks. It's mask. a bit campy. Yeah. Um, it's a spectacle. Right. Um, which are there, and the masks are the most important part, though, of Lucha. I mean, they are a source of pride and personality for the wearer, and the wrestlers must keep their masks on at all times. And if it's taken off, it's a really big disgrace. Like, it's a huge deal. Like, if you get your mask taken off, like, you don't really come back from that. Um, they even keep it on out of the ring, like for like red carpet events and like family weddings, like they have to keep them on all the time, which sounds awful. <laughs> it sounds suffocating, honestly. Yeah. Uh, similar to like the U S and WWE, there are different kind of levels. So you can have really big names with huge crowds and arenas with the professional guys like WWE. Mm. Um, you know, the ones walking the red carpets with their masks, but then you can have smaller clubs, like more localized Lucha fighting with amateurs. And these are kind of like your small hometown, thing which we have like a guy i went to college with as a part of one of these things Mm. like a smaller spectacle wrestling kind of league um again i am sorry for butchering lucha i know it's very big and and important in mexico you know i don't know exactly the ins and outs of it these are just kind of the facts that i heard um i only know literally from pop culture yeah yeah exactly (laughs) um and at the smaller lucha clubs like that's where amateurs can start off and you can try and make a name for yourself like you can pretty make okay money doing the smaller clubs um and this is the world that juana barraza wanted so desperately to be a part of she started hanging around lucha clubs when she was 17 and became friends with some of the local guys and they actually invited her to train with them twice a week. And after five full years of training, she was finally ready to step into the ring at the age of 22. Wow. Her first persona, because everybody has kind of a character that they play, was Estralita or Little Star. And her first match was interesting because it worked as kind of a hazing. Apparently, this is a thing in, in the wrestling world in the U.S. too. Like, your first match, like, you're, I think you kind of go in thinking like, oh, like, it's all a show. It's going to be fun. But uh, Juana received a very real and vicious beating from her first opponent. Uh, she left with a broken rib, some other minor injuries, but she also got 50 pesos. She was thrilled. <laughs> and the more she wrestled, the more money she got per match, eventually earning 1,000 pesos per fight. And she was fighting two or three That's times like a night. $1,000. Yeah. Well, I don't know. No. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I thought the peso was. Yeah. Like, so like one peso is $10. Is it? Yeah. When I was there in 2007, it was. Oh, interesting. Mm-hmm. Wow. it's a lot of money. That's crazy. It's <laughs> a lot of money. That's shocking because she does not have a lot of money throughout the story. It's <laughs> a lot of money. Are you sure that $10 is one peso? Yeah. That's crazy. Hmm. Or 10 pesos is $1. Yeah, ten, yeah that's it. 10 pesos is $1. So. Opposite. <laughs> okay. So then what would 1,000 pesos be? If 10 pesos. Divided by 10. So $100? Okay. So $100. Is that 1000 by 10? Not 10000 <laughs> I, like, I was like, there's no way that it's $10,000. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. Opposite. We were, I was doing inflation. Yeah. Doing, wait, what's the conversion factor but the opposite conversion? <laughs> got it. Got it. Got it. Got it. Got it. Okay. So wait, no, 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 no. Also, she has four children and has trained to do this? Yes. 
Okay. I just want to make that very clear. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Her abdomen has been torn to shreds torn by birthing children. Shreds. Four of them. I birthed two and I can't get my shit in check. So she's fighting two or three times a night. Uh, and then to put the cherry on top, she would sell food after the match. Sell it, baby. <laughs> um, after a few years, she had gotten a bit more established. Um, you know, she's becoming a more mature wrestler. So she had to up her game. Mm-hmm. So with her pink and silver suit her butterfly mask and her knee-high boots she debuted la dama del silencio or the lady of silence which she would become famous for in her kind of local area but she wasn't just a regular lucha libre fighter she was a ruda so in lucha you have la ruda and el tecnico the Ruda are the bad guys, and the Technicos are the good guys. So the Rudas blatantly ignore the rules, and they cheat during matches. Oh, you know, like the they're Harlem the kind trotters. Yeah, and the little act. Yeah, it's like the kind of guys that you're supposed to root against. You know, and the Technicos are the heroes of the story. They fight. You know, using technique, and they're like, <laughs> no, like. We follow the rules and we do it right. So, like, we're supposed to win. You know, that's kind of like the general gist that I was getting. You so know, I might. The British. Pretty much. Stand in a line and shoot straight. <laughs> um, and ma- what makes Juana interesting is that she was not just a Ruda, but she was a very proud one and quite a popular one. In one interview with a local TV station, she said that she was a Ruda del Corazón or a rooted to the core or from the bottom of her heart, which would not play well later when she was arrested <laughs> for murder. <laughs> but while other Rudas would get harassed after matches, Juana would garner cheers and people asking her for her autograph. She was like, you know how sometimes you get fascinated with the villain? You love the bad you guy. You love the bad guy. Yeah. That's what she was. She's Don Draper. Yeah. People would come to the Lucha just to see her. But when she was 35 years old, she Ooh. suffered a severe injury in the ring and she would never fight again. Oh, shit. But since she was established in the world, she found work as a promoter, sometimes making 20,000 pesos in a night. So this time she's like actually making good money. But over time, her work as a promoter dried up. And by 1992, she was back at square one, selling food on the street and cleaning houses and doing laundry for money. Which was right around the time a disturbing trend was taking place in Mexico City. Hmm. So now that we know a little bit about Juana, let's set the scene for the little old lady killings. Mexico City has always been a place with a certain amount of violence and murder because of the infamous cartels that exist in the area. And as we know from the series, The Forgotten Women of Juarez, young women are killed on a routine basis with the police systems just barely batting an eye using the typical excuses of, well, she shouldn't have been out that late. She shouldn't have been dressed like that. I'm sure she was a sex worker. Victim like, that's her fault, et cetera, et cetera. And if men are killed, it's kind of seen as a side effect of the cartels. It's just like, well, that's how business is done. If they don't want to get killed, they shouldn't be in the business, you know. And again, it's more victim blaming. But in the late 90s and early 2000s, something very different and upsetting was starting to happen. Old women were found murdered in their homes, typically strangled to death. Police didn't want to 
overreact at first. It was like just a couple. They were hoping that it was just, you know, an unfortunate byproduct of the city's normal amount of violence. But in 2003, they had to get involved when the numbers started to skyrocket. That year, 17 women over the age of 60 were strangled in their homes with an object found in the home, not brought by the killer. They deduced that a killer was entering these women's homes by posing as a Sivale employee, killing them, stealing items and money from the home. Because the other thing these women had in common besides their age was that they were all a part of a government funded assisted medical program called Sivale, kind of like Medicaid or something. And it was happening at just such an alarming rate, sometimes just days apart over the course of three years, that by the time they got to late 2005, the number of victims was around 40. Whoa! And because these were abuelitas, just innocent old ladies, the police took this very seriously. You know, those other murder victims, they totally deserved it. But not these women. Right. They were seen as everyone's abuelita it's kind of like if it could happen to her it could happen to your grandmother Mm -hmm. like these people who we see as so central to our family you know structure it's Mm. like they're being targeted like they shouldn't be a part of this it was seen as very upsetting um and it wasn't just the police who were disturbed it kind of caused a crisis in the city because they had to admit that they had a serial killer which had always been seen as a very American thing. They were like, yeah, we have a lot of gangs killing people, but we don't have Jeffrey Dahmer's. We don't have Listen, Ted Bundy's. That's like, because this is different. We're like, used to white men being exactly. in charge of serial killers. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Like they have a convention every year. They meet up. They have little booths exactly. <laughs> set up. They share ideas. <laughs> so because... Mexico, you know, quote, didn't have serial killers. They didn't know what to do. They didn't, they'd never really cared about murders before. So the Mexican authorities brought in American experts who (laughs) did a psychological profile. And they're like, yep, you're looking at a middle-aged male (laughs) cross-dresser who hates his mother, probably abused as a child, which like abused as a child, like ding, ding, ding. Yes, she was. But... But they had the wrong profile. And they also called the French police, which I think is fascinating, that they had French police and detectives come over to Mexico to help them with the case. Love it. Was Robert Langdon there with them? I wish. Did he bring them over? Um, No, no codes. (laughs) From the Louvre. (laughs) Just stethoscopes. Just good old-fashioned murder. Exactly. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But they brought the French guys over because they had experience with little old lady killings a serial killer are people named... murdering people in france old ladies in france <laughs> Thierry paulon is i didn't know who that is. I don't know who that is so he had brutally murdered 21 elderly women in france in the 1980s what's your vibe Thierry what's the paulon? Vibe on that? uh pretty crazy uh because Thierry paulon had um he was a gay man who worked as an eartha kit impersonator in paris <laughs> And speaking of, uh, speaking of, and like <laughs> they basically were like, this is what his deal was. And the Mexican authorities heard, yep, perfect. So you're agreeing with the Americans. It is a White guy. gay man dressed as a woman. <laughs> 
perfect. Got it. And then the French authorities were kind of like, wait, but you should also be collecting DNA evidence. And they're like, no, no, no. (laughs) We got it. We'll find him. (laughs) So they got their profile together (laughs) and told the public that they were looking for a man dressed as a woman, particularly a nurse. And then they thought, well, normal straight men would never dress up as a woman, even if it was to murder. It has to be someone like who just really loves doing this. So (laughs) instead of looking at the evidence that they had and making some educated guesses, they just wrangled up and harassed trans sex workers for like years do you remember the first time we had this conversation we were fighting for the rights of female serial killers and i was like what is it was i think it was the elizabeth bathory episode where we were like actually promoting the fact that women can be bad people you can do it (laughs) (laughs) i just it's so upsetting equality we're we're even overlooked for murder Mm -hmm. like it's like it can't be a woman it has to be a man who's dressing like a woman a degenerate like it's so crazy to me that they wouldn't even think they They wouldn't even think they cut out half of the population of mexico Mm -hmm. city Mm -hmm. Which is like, we know it's not the cartels. This isn't their business. No. They're not no, no. killing old ladies. Yeah, they're not stealing costume jewelry to like <laughs> fund and their massive cocaine business. Listen, I am. Yeah. <laughs> I am stealing costume jewelry. Me and jewelry. Madeline Albright. <laughs> um, <laughs> a snake. I'm a snake, I tell you. So the situation is not good. It also didn't help that they had a ton of people coming forward with <laughs> descriptions of the person committing the crimes. They would Ugh. come to the police station and they would be like, hey, I saw a person and this is what they look like. But they ended up, because eyewitness testimony isn't super reliable, with 64 different sketches of their potential <laughs> perpetrator. Eyewitness accounts are not good. We no. learned that from 10 Angry Men. But they should have been listening to them at least a little bit because all of the witnesses said, no, it's definitely a woman. I mean, she's a strong looking broad woman, but she's definitely a woman. And the police said, Mm-mm-mm, we know better. Definitely a man just as a woman. <laughs> but the other disturbing part is that no matter how the people described who they saw, the police always gave the sketch a darker skin tone because colorism. They associate, as many cultures do, darker skin tone with criminality. So just more people in the city being targeted unnecessarily. Absurd. Absurd. So now we're targeting people with the darker skin uh-huh. and we're targeting and LGBTQ community. <laughs> yep. Oh my yep, yep, yep. God. So wait, is this just life? <laughs> Apparently. <laughs> Excuse me, is this life? Um, so as the murders went on, police were just having no luck finding the killer because they weren't looking for the right person at all. Like you can't find an elephant if you're looking for a giraffe, you know, like, I don't know if that makes sense no i loved it but uh keep it going Let, that's that, our new thing. Tote bag. <laughs> Tote bag warning. that is of course until january 27th 2006 when the little old lady killer was caught leaving the home of ana maria de los reyes damn 
the sensation of this case and the news that it was a female, a female serial killer swept across Mexico. It was all over the news. People wrote songs about her. People wrote novels about her. There were recreations of her crimes all over telenovelas. I'm like proud it to was be a Mexican. <laughs> <laughs> proud to be a serial her. killer. Girl, serial killer. It's ridiculous. Um, <laughs> Lee Greenwood, just, get your life together, <laughs> please. I mean, all of Mexico could not stop talking about their first female serial killer because it was also true to a lot of people. There was like they're like this is our first serial killer ever. Q just like bell gunnist knocking her goddamn feet up on a coffee table with a bowl of popcorn like first time. <laughs> I'm from the 1800s, there, baby. bitch. Um, so meanwhile, there's probably been so many female serial killers yeah. in Mexico that were never caught all over the world. Girls, so, listen. You, you heard can it do here it first. Too. <laughs> you can do it and not get You're caught. Not limited by your gender. <laughs> so just kill outside <laughs> of your comfort zone, and nobody will know. Nobody will know. They'll think it's a white guy. <laughs> Pin it on your dad. <laughs> you heard again. Frame your dad. Um, <laughs> no, frame the just guy. like Casey Anthony tried to do. <laughs> Frame the that person bitch. who assaulted you. Yeah, okay. Casey Anthony, let's do her. That's fun. Guys, is it too far to do Casey Anthony? Because I <laughs> no. would love to. Do Casey. I would love to. Okay. But what's a good counterpart to her? It has to be like a majestic, happy person. Oh, God. Okay. Could have been Hoa Kotby. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> That's what we do, right? I'll do this again in Guthrie. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, so for most people, this is a slam dunk case. I mean, she's caught red-handed for the Anna Maria murder. And when police searched her bag, they found items that she had stolen from Anna Maria's house fitting the M.O. of the killer. And they also found a list of Sivale patients, which, you know, tracked with like, yeah, she's targeting these old women who are part of this right. program. Like that makes sense. All the things Christian gray bought from Anna's sure. supply store. Sure. <laughs> Cause he's a murderer. Mm -hmm. Um, <laughs> And then when the news got out there, when Juan was arrested and her name got published, there was a woman who came forward and she admitted that she had been Juana's accomplice in the early 90s. Uh. She was like, yeah, we started out and we were just, you know, pretending to be nurses and we'd go into these women's homes and we'd steal from them. But, you know, within a few years, Juana escalated to murdering them. And that was when we split up because she was like, you know, I didn't want to be murdering people, which also matched the timeline. And then there's also the fact that Juana's fingerprints matched the prints found at 10 other crime scenes. And as far as motive and, you know, like believability goes, I mean, they could point to a pattern of violent behavior. You know, we know that she beat her ex-husband with a chair. Um, there was another incident where she punched a cop in the face. Like, mm. there's a history of that. She's got it. Um, and then there's clear, like, there's also this, like, kind of psychological connection between her mother abusing her as a child and then her taking out her anger on older women like the classic serial killer trope right now i will mention like her mom was like 30 something when she died so not as old as these women but like still a mothering figure you right. know now these are all the reasons why it's like very clear that she did it is there any um maybe like euthanasia happening like has anybody been like are they asking to be done 
No. No, that's never been. Never been part of the story? No, because the scenes are very violent. Okay. And violent and she's taking money. Yeah, and she's stealing from them. Yeah, exactly. And if you're doing like a euthanasia thing, like you don't strangle someone with a stethoscope. Right. I'm just curious. <laughs> yeah, no, that's an interesting point, but but no. And they weren't like, you know, sick or like in their night. Like, you know, like they weren't the usual candidates for, me, for that. Because for me, when I think about like an elderly murder, mm-hmm. especially when there's no like sexual assault, I'm always like, is there some sort of somebody being like, I'm done. No, and I also, I don't think that that is something, um, I think it's very frowned upon in Mexico because they are a very Catholic. Respect your elder. Yeah, and like they're a very Catholic country and I think the Catholics are very against euthanasia um, and suicide and all that. But not murder. (laughs) Apparently not murder. (laughs) I'm sorry, I couldn't help it. So according to Juana, none of this is true. Even the account of the arrest, she says, happened very differently than police said. She goes, look, I killed Anna Maria. We all know that's true. (laughs) I can't really deny that. But she goes, I didn't do it for the money. I didn't even steal from her. I didn't do any of that. I didn't do any of these other murders. She Mm -hmm. goes, I killed her because I'd been doing this bitch's laundry for two years. (laughs) And... She was so mean to me, treated me like shit. And then the, that day she goes, she owed me for two weeks worth of work and she tried to get out of paying me. And she said, I snapped, I picked her up, I threw her across the room, she hit her head against a table, and then I strangled her. She goes, but it was an accident. <laughs> And then she said, after things got out of hand with her, I walked out of the apartment, saw the police. And she goes, I went to the police and gave myself up. I said, I think I may have killed this old woman. Um, You know, I need to figure something out. So she goes, I willingly got in the cop car. She goes, then they took my purse. They put all of Anna Maria's belongings in there, met with the upstairs neighbor, concocted this whole story i mean i wouldn't put it past the police you wouldn't put it past them this this is the whole thing with the story (laughs) and she goes and then they made me touch everything in my purse so it had my fingerprints okay that's a little far-fetched yeah i could plant i see planting evidence i don't see like let's take your fingers yeah i also (laughs) don't see her walking out and being like oh can i get in this cop car i just murdered somebody (laughs) i don't see that And then when she was at the police station, she goes, the reason my fingerprints are on all those other things is because once I got in, they just kept bringing me item after item after item and asking me to touch it. And I didn't know why. And that's why my fingerprints are on all those other items. And then I saw them put a folder into my purse. And that was the thing with the Sivale patients listed on them. Calm down. This is a lot. Again, if it was maybe one of these things, you might think that it's true, but like, it's just a lot for, especially like you're thinking like street cops that are just kind of like posted outside of this random place, you know, like aren't like agents, these aren't agents. These aren't people who are knowingly like this takes a lot of planning for someone to frame someone in this way well, you know also not takes planning some... but like someone who can see the bigger picture this to me sounds like somebody who's watched cop dramas on tv yeah and is like oh this is what happens in this, a yeah. weird case and it's like that actually never happens because people are idiots yeah and also like the story of her and Anna Maria's struggle didn't quite make sense because she said she picked her up and threw her and she hit her head against a table but like there was no 
table around for that to happen. Like she didn't even have like a thing on her head. Like it didn't make any sense. Like how she described it. Like there was a small, like kind of TV tray or something nearby, but like that wouldn't have caused any, but yeah, there was no blood on it or anything like again. So we can't exactly trust her testimony, Mm -hmm. but there are other holes in the evidence that people who believed that Juan was innocent point to. The number one piece of evidence besides the fingerprints is the Sivale paperwork, which is very damning. But Juana Barraza, she can't read. So people do believe that this was planted, but also it's very possible that she had an accomplice to help her out with the paperwork, you know? I mean, and also like these are addresses. It's not exactly like, you know, so like you can look at numbers and then look at a street name and also kind of figure it out. Like it's not, I don't know exactly how, illiteracy right that's works what I, say, like, I think but... illiteracy is so different it's not like you're not trying to read the odyssey mm-hmm. you're like trying to get through basic life and i think most people who are illiterate can get through basic life which yeah. is why we don't focus on it as a community but we should yeah. yeah it's like i can do the basic shit right and she can look and be like oh that's the symbol for the Sivale program like right. i know that so I'm like i know dummy. what this is yeah. yeah it's like we think that they like don't know anything it's yeah. like it's really fucking rude like right. they've obviously been surviving this far <laughs> like they're fine they're very capable um but Oh, gosh. Sorry. Where was I? Okay. (laughs) Um, So, you know, she could have also just had someone who did read the paperwork for her, for her, you know, and told her where to go or whatever. Um, She may have had an accomplice, but it may not have been the accomplice who came forward about her work with Juana in the early 90s. Because that woman, a lot of people believe she made a deal with a crooked cop for an early release from prison because she did get out of prison shortly after she testified that she was Juana's accomplice. So it's again, like we can't quite trust her. Um, And altogether it's frustrating because we really can't trust many people in this story. Because the fact is like Juana is absolutely a murderer. We know that she murdered Ana Maria. You know, we don't know how many people she murdered exactly, but we know that she murdered one. And frankly, we can't trust the Mexican police because we know that there has been widespread corruption for many years and cover-ups and ignoring crimes and ignoring murders of young women. Like, there is a lot to be said for that. But author Susana Vargas Cervantes, who wrote a book on Juana's crimes, says there is something else altogether that we should be paying attention to, which is how a woman like Juana is treated in the system and in the media. She said there is a very gendered judgment of Juana Barraza and how she presents herself to the world. She is a strong, muscular, masculine, older woman, not quite fitting into the warm mother persona. So people automatically don't like her and they would totally believe that she is a person capable of 40 murders she was a Ruda in the wrestling world. So, you know, people take that as like, she's obviously a violent person who doesn't care for the rules of the outside world. Even though like there are plenty of professional Rudas who, you know, people don't consider murderers, you know, and she also lived in a poor neighborhood, which meant she must be a bad person. And there's also just like really big deals they make about Juana that wouldn't, really be considered weird if it was another person 
Um, so she had an altar in her home to La Santa Muerte in her house, uh, which is the saint of death. Santa Muerte is a personification of death. Uh, it's associated with healing and protection and safe delivery to the afterlife um, by her devotees, which a lot of people in Mexico pray to. They ha- a lot of people have altars to La Santa Muerte, and it's not considered weird, but it doesn't look good when you're being charged as a serial killer, you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And the only reason I bring this up is like, you know, Susana Vargas Cervantes is not saying that Juana is not a murderer, but she explores how we talk about her and how we're talking about her looks and how she looks like a man and she's not very pretty and how brutal she is and how awful she is. And she's like, this woman is scandalized much more than the many men who commit atrocities every day in Mexico. She goes, we don't crucify like anyone like we did. We're Juana like, Barraza. oh, the cartel? Fine. 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 But like, well, and again, a serial killer. And I also think it's because of her choice of victim, you know, like these little old women too. There's a gendered aspect there of like, you know how like in America we have the least dead which is sex workers, like in many cultures, is the, the least dead. The most dead is the congressman's daughter. Exactly. The most dead is John Bonet Ramsey, who right. we are still talking about today. Mm-hmm. And in Mexican culture, like Juana Barraza killed the most dead. Like the most dead is the grandmother, the abuelita. And there's also a gendered aspect of that. Like, why are we caring about these people more than the other people who are getting killed in Mexico? Well, it's even so interesting, like the way it's being described, right? Because like the word for grandmother's abuela, but mm-hmm. in Mexico or in most Spanish languages, I only know this from Duolingo, <laughs> is that putting like ita on the end of a word is like saying it's cute. Yeah. So like if you say like dog, pero, but if you're like, yeah little puppy yeah exactly so it's just like how could you do this to this little old woman you know it's like a very different phrase and if it's like that's the way it's being presented it's like you didn't kill my grandmother you killed my mama like exactly you know exactly it's a very different sentiment yeah and like i didn't know where to put this in the story but like Juana Barraza, like, is also a mother who had four children, and one of them was murdered right in front of her. Right, like, right. You know, which I didn't talk about, but, like, I think it's also, like, who's considered a good mother in this story? Right. Because Juana mm. isn't, you know? And, no. like, obviously, again, it's hard because she is a murderer, but I think we also talk about... It's so incomprehensible that, like, women can murder that I think there is more of a judgment. Like, you know, when you do talk about it, Jeffrey Dahmer, it's like, oh, well, he was really lonely. And, like, mm. he didn't have any friends. <laughs> like, She's whatever. She's a woman serial killer. Yeah. Which just, like, just that puts male her on a engineer. different level. Yeah. <laughs> and so I just think that this book is – I didn't read the book. I'm based – I'm going off of, like, what other people have said about her work That's and her writing. That's all we can do. But – I think it's a really interesting way to look at it. Is she's like, let's look at what a female serial killer in Mexico looks like and how we talk about it, which is fascinating. It is. Juana Barraza was sentenced to 759 years in prison for the murders of 16 women. I hope she has the philosopher's stone. Yeah, really. But some sources claim that she killed as many as 49. In prison, she has found work. Walking 
old ladies around the yard to help them with their daily exercise, which Stop seems it. like kind of a fucking sick joke. I don't know what that's all about. Stop it. That um, makes me sick. And she also makes food and sells it in the yard to other prisoners. Okay. She did get married at some point to a fellow inmate in some sort of prison program. Wait, designed... a female inmate or male inmate? A male inmate. Oh. So, yeah, they connect them with the male inmate. I actually um, really like that. That's yeah, a really it's interesting. great rehabilitation, like, relationship yeah. thing. Okay. Um, just so they have companionship. Because, like, they're both going to be there for a while. So, like, why not have, right, because like, Because inmates aren't slaves? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Right? Like, we shouldn't abuse the people that we're trying to rehabilitate? Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Um, so, they got married in, like, this kind of, like, mass ceremony in the yard. Um, oh but I think that they, like, hadn't met yet. And then when she <laughs> met him, she was like, I don't really like this. So, they divorced shortly after. Conjugal business, though. Yeah, I don't know. It's I was very confused about that. Could he um, just not, like, get it done? I don't. No. <laughs> There's very I wanna, little on I that. I want to know. Very little. I'm going to call her. Is she still in prison? I'll call yeah, her and Of course. Ask. I'll, I'll call her and ask. Um, I personally... I'll have Hoda call her yeah. and ask. <laughs> Hoda, get the scoop. Hoda! I personally believe that Juana did commit a number of these murders. Yeah. I don't think that she did all 49, but I also don't believe that Ana Maria de los Reyes was her only victim. But... I guess we'll never really know for sure because Madame de la Silencia has gone silent on the matter. Obsessed. And that's the story of Juana Brasa. Well, she has fucking nothing in common. Nothing in common. So let's talk about these women together in a little segment we like to call Just the Two of Us. Well, Um, I mean, I think the... um, the thing that stood out to me to mo- the most is the motherhood thing. Mm. Um, yeah. How she had four babies and she just had babies so young. Yeah. And as a person who miscarried a couple times, I remember like going to the bar like after miscarrying and seeing like pregnant women at the bar and being like, they shouldn't be here. Like, yeah. this is not, which is a terrible thing to think, mm-hmm. but I was like, this is not for them. Like, yeah. this is for us. Right. And, and I remember just feeling so victimized by that. And mm-hmm. I feel like Hoda was probably in a place where she saw, and it, this isn't anybody's fault. It's not like no, no. people who get pregnant young or get pregnant, like, without wanting to, that's not bad. It's not like they did something wrong. It just, it feels terrible to somebody who really wants to be a mom and i think that that is a really interesting connection between the two of them yeah well and it's also like two people who i think are judged for being mothers you know like a a serial killer like you look at them like yeah they should not have kids no you know but all in all it's like i mean she wasn't murdering children she did this a while after her kids were born, Born. you know, like they weren't really a part of this. And then you think of someone like Hoda, who I'm sure she gets judged a lot. Like we talk about mommy guilt a lot. You work all the time. Hoda. Yeah. It's like, Hoda, what are you doing? Having kids? Like I'm leaving a post-it on my milk. Exactly. Like that's how you're going to mother, you know? And it's like, you're not even married. Like, yeah, that's what people do to women who want children and, um, aren't in the culturally acceptable place. Right. Exactly. It's like, you're too damaged to have children. Cause I think also people would look at Juana and like her, horrible childhood and be like yeah like just don't reproduce right you know and people would look at 
code it and be like, no, you're too busy. Don't reproduce. And it's like, can I fucking decide for myself what, what I'm going to do with this? You know, like, and obviously like Juana didn't decide her first one, maybe her other ones too. I don't mm-hmm. really know, but right. I mean, she was fucking 12 years old. Right. And I, I also like the attention that I think both of them bring to certain fields. Like Hoda's like, I am going to be 50 and adopt a yeah. adopt a child i am gonna have a mastectomy and let the world know mm-hmm. and at the same time you know juana is like she's not purposely bringing attention to it but it's like hey women can kill people too yeah like, we also are this like crazy dark force where it's mm-hmm. like i think everybody just expects women to fit in this box and both hoda and juana are like i don't fit in the box yeah. Let me out of the box. No, they absolutely don't. And it's interesting because I feel like if we look at Lucha Libre and the news, mm. we have kind of similar things, you know, things that are serious. You can get hurt. You can cover real stories, but are also like spectacle is a big part of both of those things. Hoda's job is kind of to make the news fun, oh, you yeah. know, it's like her only job. It's her <laughs> only job. And that's what Juana was doing with Lucha. You know, she's like, yeah, like I experienced so much violence in my own life that like, I want to have violence for fun at mm-hmm. some point, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think that there's something to be said for like making serious things that affect people's real lives into a spectacle because we have to digest them somehow. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Like we need, I do. we need a Hoda and Kathy to getting fucking wasted and talking because then you learn to trust them. You know, like they're so honest. They're That's honest. That's why Hoda's seen and, as the most genuine. Yeah. And like, you're like, you know what? You're drinking on camera. So like when you come to me and you're broken up about Matt Lauer and like, you're telling me that like you fucking hate this. I believe you, you know? I believe you that this really fucking sucks, you know? And it's interesting because then you have, you know, this woman who is, we don't know what to believe about Juana. Right. I think she's one of the most unbelievable (laughs) people we've ever covered because I don't think that she's telling the truth, but I also don't think she's lying that she didn't commit all these murders. Right. Which is also another question. Like, who do we believe in our culture? You know, Mm. and I don't know. I just, it's just very interesting. And I think it's, um, you know, I was thinking a lot when you were talking about Hoda taking her tape and driving across country and like trying to get a job, like so desperate for a job. And I think Juana was doing the same thing, but Juana got injured and she was taken out of the Lucha game, you know, and she couldn't really do that for the rest of her life you know Hoda's in a position where she can and that's wonderful you know and I think a lot about what happens when people are stopped in their tract and they get really desperate I I I just keep thinking about them being contemporaries and how they were alive at practically the same time they're only about nine years apart and for me that brings about a really interesting like cross-section of exactly what Hoda was talking about in the beginning of her 
autobiography where she saw herself in another life. Yeah. She saw herself in Egypt being a completely different person. And mm-hmm. isn't that a bad person? Just a different person. Yeah. And I think that there are women right now in Mexico just like me. Yeah. And we could end up at the different end of the spectrum with a drop yeah. of a hat. Yeah. And that's an amazing thing to think about, about how much culture like really influences you as a woman. It's mm-hmm. really hard to like confront because I, we both are people with such privilege. Mm-hmm. So there's not, I don't know. It's, yeah. it's very hard to look upon and be like, Oh my God. Like if I had just been born somewhere else or something else or someone else, I would have been that person. Yeah. I mean, that's a classic thing that that could have been me. Mm. And it's also what people were saying about their grandmother, like the grandmothers in Mexico at the time. Could have like, been my grandmother. It could have been my grandmother. You know? Mm. And what an interesting twist. Yeah. So mm. do you have anything else to say? There's not much in common with these two. So it is hard. It but, is hard, but I think it's a, it's a beautiful hard because they did yeah. both live at the same exact time and gain popularity in their respective countries. Yeah. At the same time. Yeah. Which just shows the diversity of women. <laughs> what women can do. <laughs> Woo! Murder! <laughs> All right. And cocktails with Kathy. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> um, so who would you like to toast this evening? So today I just want to toast to the path and those who walk mm. it in a straight line. I think there are some people who can take shortcuts because of their privilege. And Hoda kind of knew that that was not her journey. Yeah. So just slow and steady wins the race. You're the tortoise. They're the hare. And love just that. be the tortoise. Cheers. Cheers. <laughs> who do you want to toast to? I'm very confused. I know. It's hard. But All the grandmas. That's exactly it. I'm going to yeah. toast to the abuelitas who were taken. They didn't deserve it. Um, I mean, fuck, it just sucks, you know? And I was thinking a lot about, obviously this dealt with death and Mexico. And I was thinking about Dia de los Muertes and I was thinking about, um, toasting these grandmothers and hoping that someone is bringing offerings to their grave and celebrating the life that was with them sometime in early November. Mm. So cheers to them. Cheers. All right, Ellie, what are you enjoying in pop culture this week? So I want to talk about Turning Red. Oh, I want to see it so bad. So I definitely have a lot of mom friends whose kids are younger than me, and they're very uncomfortable with Turning Red. So Turning Red is the first ever Disney Pixar film that has an all-female front cast. Mm. So the whole group of main characters. um, And the... um, Basic summary is that there is a young girl in middle school who's going through puberty. And if she gets too emotional, she turns into this panda, this red (laughs) panda, which is an obvious metaphor for having your period. But they kind of squanch that in like the first 10 minutes. Mm -hmm. But the problem I think a lot of parents have, which I don't have at all, is that the mom and dad are like at the bathroom door, like offering her pads. And they use that phrase. Like, do you need pads? And she's like, I don't. I'm like a literal fucking panda. (laughs) (laughs) 
but people are now have to explain what periods pads are. Yeah. to their kids, which you fucking should. Yeah. Like there's absolute I don't care male or female, you're if your kid understands language, like there's nothing wrong with ovulating and no. bleeding. Every fucking mammal in the world does it. I'm yeah. so upset that people are mad about it. It just okay. makes me angry, Katie. Also, thank goodness there is finally a movie for when you're that age because everything is either pre or post that. It's right. either you're like a baby or you're a hot teenager. Right. Who's and 30 years old playing this, a 16 year old. I you can't know? tell like, you. I was crying. The kids were crying. Marjorie might have been crying. I don't. I don't spy. <laughs> Producer was there. He loved it because then the movie goes on to her being a teenager and trying to control her emotions and mm-hmm. her friends trying to help her control her emotions. Yeah. And then they have to go to this boy band concert, <laughs> and it is like just a complete parody of the Backstreet Boys. And it's so funny because Billie Eilish wrote all the music. What for, for the, this crazy. Backstreet Boys? know that it's so cute we just had such a blast and i'm just crying because by the end it's a movie about this daughter going through puberty and her mother Mm. so we're all sitting in the back room the lounge crying (laughs) because it's a beautiful movie and i think people are putting it off because it mentions having your period which (laughs) is just discrimination against the female body yeah it's so disgusting that we're we're uncomfortable talking about our periods with our children. It's yeah. a thing. It is a thing. We're, they drink milk every fucking day. Cow milk. I'm so <laughs> mad about it. I am so angry that people are just like, yeah, drink milk. That's fine. We just pump it out of whatever fucking beast has <laughs> milk at this point. We're the only animals that drink milk past infancy. I'm so angry that we're fine with that, but we're like, oh, women don't get their period. Yeah. <laughs> hydro tampons, hydro pads. They're coming we're for you. We're not bleeding. <laughs> um, anyway, I am obsessed. <laughs> I'm a, it was it was very cute. I, I can't wait to I I really want to see it because I think I would so connect. And I also You're laughing the whole time. It's so funny. It's I so also, funny. I love to, cause from the clips of it, I've seen, she's like, I'm Aylin and I'm super fucking confident. You know? <laughs> and I love that she like, I haven't seen it obviously, but in the clip, she was like, I play the flute. I do this. <laughs> I so, love boys. She's like so cute and Asian. I and adorable. Love she's adorable. It. <laughs> she works it in like, which then we had to Google. She works in Chinatown, and the the neighborhood she lives in apparently there's 16 Chinatowns. We like Googled it. <laughs> we were like, "Wait, is Chinatown that big there?" And then we're like, "Yeah, all of us on our phones." <laughs> That's we, perfect. It it is turning. Where does red. it take? Oh, it takes us in Toronto, right? Yeah, yeah, in Canada. Yeah, so okay. there's like a thousand maple <laughs> there's leaves. A thousand, um, Chinatowns in Toronto, which I wow, had no idea. We had a lot of googling going on. Huh. But I just, it's definitely a good movie, and I'm really sad that people are against it via the two mentions of pads. That's ridiculous. Pads are not, a, it's not something you should be ashamed of. No, absolutely not. Okay. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's funny that we're doing this because I'm recommending Princess Diaries <laughs> because I, all right, I had a dream about it last night, but I remember that it's because I saw a video yesterday on Instagram of a girl 
literally circa this year, went to San Francisco and did a Princess Diaries tour. And I never connected the dots that, like, you can go to Grove High School. You can go to Mia's fucking cool-ass firefighter house. You can and, go to Genovia. Yeah, you can't go there. The but you country. can go to, like, you know, the place where they do the arm wrestling. And she was eating a corn dog. And I was like, I've never wanted to do anything more. Like, that's amazing. <laughs> I was oh my God, obsessed. I'm, can with I send it. Marjorie with you because she yes. will be equally enthralled? Does she love Princess Diaries? Yeah, I say it was a little past my time. Okay, like, I love the movie, but I didn't love it as a young girl. Okay, so this was my fucking jam, and I didn't. <laughs> as I was, th- I was talking about it to Casey because, of course, like I woke up and I was like, I need to talk to you about Princess Diaries. <laughs> <laughs> and I was remembering that, like, I saw it in theaters. Because my grandfather took Zach and I, and of course, Zach wasn't going to see Princess Diaries, so he went and saw Bubble Boy by himself with Jake Gyllenhaal, and I, I think it was Jake Gyllenhaal, and then I saw Princess Diaries with my grandfather, and it was so good, and then I got it on VHS. The song (laughs) Supergirl was my feminist anthem. Supergirl, and I'm here to save the world. Who's going to save me? Perfect. It's so good. (laughs) I love that movie so much. I've been thinking about it all day. Yeah, you're right. Uh, Because it's so good. Michael is so cute and you know the scene where she trips on the bleachers she yes, actually trips i know oh my god let's of course i know that, that. <laughs> <laughs> it's so perfect that movie is so good so yeah. i'm just gonna recommend it if you're looking for a feel-good movie because right now we're in a feel-good movie with julie andrews <laughs> oh. a queen a true queen because here's a queen, the a queen. Thing. right now we're in fake spring mm-hmm. we're in it's spring but yesterday I had to turn the heaters on again, like yeah. the, the gas heaters in my house because yeah. it was mm-hmm. so cold. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. if you're mm-hmm. having a down day, sit with it, acknowledge your feelings, watch Princess Diary. If yeah. you want to feel happy, watch Turning Red. If you want to cry a little bit, um, yeah, cry a and lot. just enjoy your life. Yeah. So that's it for us. <laughs> that was a longer pop plug than normal. <laughs> But we love you guys. Thank you for listening. If you could hop over and rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, that would be the absolute best. And if you want to know what we're going to talk about after this, come join Patreon. Ooh, first, I might pee first. I have to pee. Oh, I have to pee too. Yeah, so there's sure, definitely going to sure, be a sure. small break, but small. you won't know. You won't. Um, we'll but yeah, it. come and join us. You can join for as little as a dollar a month. And, you know, it buys us a couple extra drinks and you get to join a crew of amazing people who also like our show so on that note we hope you're having a good day Mm. we hope you enjoyed this show Mm. and we want you to never forget that well-behaved women print their church flyers and comic sans (laughs) they do and they rarely make history (laughs) goodbye goodbye
You've been listening to Her Story on the Rocks. We are independently produced by 1986 Entertainment and proudly recorded in Baltimore, Maryland. If there's a woman in history you would like us to cover, you can email us at herstoryontherocks at gmail.com. You can also message us on Twitter or Instagram. We post all of our cocktail recipes on Tuesdays so that you can go get all the supplies you need and drink along with us. See you next week. Bye.